Ladies and gents, it's time again to dive into Hell's Kitchen, into Kingpin territory. I have brought in this revelation, episode 9, a guy I've been doing some work with, Vic Hudson. Mose. How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. Hey, so what's your uh, background with Daredevil? Uh, my background with Daredevil is pretty much my background with all comic book TV and movies. I kind of live in blissful ignorance as far as the comics go. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of exposure to comic books and stuff as a kid, so mm-hmm. I pretty much just get to enjoy all of these shows firsthand, you know, as, as they air and as they're made, and I don't come into them with a lot of preconceptions or a lot of baggage, so I think... In some ways, it leaves me disadvantaged compared to, to some of you guys that, you know, are real steeped in the comic lore. But in other ways, I think it gives me a little bit of an advantage <clears throat> because I'm not, I'm not constantly comparing it back against something. That's kind of a nice thing in, in a way. I can see where that has, well, that has drawn such weird battle lines, mm-hmm. uh, especially in these newer MCU films. Yeah. Um, and where, you know, you have... These people that, you know, read comics 40 years ago and are Mm -hmm. so stubborn to change. And not to say that I'm going to say change is always good, but to be able to be accepting of, you know, where the narrative changes. And let's go a step further in this episode. I mean, we're really touching, you know, the Born Again saga, which, you know, that was that was the comic run. And they have yeah. really done interesting things to things that to storylines and um, just interactions that didn't exist, but I think have made made a lot better the uh, the storyline as a whole, and it made it a mm-hmm. much more visual. Where which 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 is what you needed. Yeah. Um. So, getting the episode started. One of the big things coming out of last episode was the last few moments where Matt learns that Maggie, uh, the nun, is his mother, which yeah. is crushing. And it's I, I, I really that was always a, a, a huge thing in the comic. And it never really got very explained as far as the runs and what I had read. They may have expounded upon it later. I don't know. I, I don't know about that. And so yeah. I will be blissfully ignorant to that as well. But it was it was definitely heavy stuff. Yeah, I mean I knew it the whole time but I didn't know how they were going to how they were going to deal with it. Yeah. And they end up dealing with it in kind of a very interesting way. Of course Matt's going to be angry and on the onset of this episode uh Matt confronts the priest. Um mm-hmm. you know, did you know? And of course he did. Uh, which, you know, brings up the whole Maggie flashback of, yeah. well, how did Maggie come to, you know, uh, meet Matt's dad? Mm-hmm. Which I had never seen, you know, in a comic, but to be able to flesh this out, it made a lot of sense, sort of. Yeah. I I I didn't have any trouble buying into it, and I kind of enjoyed it. It seemed like a, a pretty natural thing. You know, you've got this group of young nuns that are just I don't I believe it was said they hadn't taken their vows yet so they're not technically nuns yet but right. you know curi- curiosity's gotten the better of them and, and let them into this place and and they go in there and and Maggie and and Matt's father I'm lost on his name right at the moment what's I want is it John no not John what's what's dad's name oh Jack 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 Murdoch yeah Maggie and Jack Murdoch just kind of instantly kind of took a shine to each other and and what looked to me i mean they condensed it down pretty short but it seemed like a very natural progression of of what would come and what happened after that yeah it almost was i when i was watching it first i was like is this some sort of sweaty joke you know three nuns walk into a boxing (laughs) ring (laughs) that could be a good sweaty joke yeah um but the the girl that they got to play maggie young Boy, thought, you can really see her as a younger version of, yeah, of the now, current day Maggie. The actress that plays Maggie has aged, I, I don't want to say aged poorly, but she has aged quite a bit. 
I mean, if you look at other movies that she was in, she was kind of a real like minx, uh, yeah. in the eighties. And so it's, it's, it's strange. But in like, as soon as I saw her young, I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I get that. It, it looks, it looks about right. And then to tap on to, and I was thinking this as I was watching it, like, does she have postpartum depression? Like it was, yeah. it was just, it was just strange. I was like, is that what we're seeing right now? Cause I was like, it seems like, you know, you know, something, you know, that maybe culturally or, you know, sign of the times, like this is something we need to deal with. And yeah. to see it at that time, like, how did they deal with it? The way they depicted it, I, I, I was, I was really impressed with it, and I really enjoyed it because you know she just stood there and she stared at that crucifix on the wall, and and she's just wallowing in this postpartum depression, depression, and feeling like she'd totally blown and and missed her calling and and was straying from her path, and and then when. The, the priest and the other nuns finally came in to get her. It was just, it was, it was very heavy, very impactful, but all in good ways. You know, it was very believable. And the expression of, of Jack's face, you know, when he comes in and he picks up crying Matt and, and asks her what's wrong with her. And then again, when the, when they come and they take her and they leave, it's just, it was all very heavy, but very believable, very good, very authentic. Yeah. And of course, like, I mean, you know, you, you can't help, but, kind of look at what's happening right now especially with the catholic church it yeah. was i didn't know how to take that like it, it it fundamentally kind of like it's it's this weird i don't know if you're making fun of the church because they hide people and in fact i believe later in this episode maggie says something to the effect of <laughs> she did. we've been hiding the people for 2000 church years. has been hiding people for years yeah, centuries it, or something like yeah, that yeah i was just like oof i, I you know it, it's one it's it, it's hard sometimes I, it's like do you need to say that but then again i guess it does make it it you know it grounds it it does um this episode kind of feels i i, I said this with Tony's episode, you know, I always get leery of furniture moving episodes where things yeah. are just going to start to happen so that something else can happen later. Mm-hmm. And this is always where I think of the Netflix sag. Yeah. And I, not to say that I believe this episode sags because it doesn't. I was going to say, lot- I'd, I'd, I'd probably take a little offense if you called this one sag. I'm no. not even sure if I call it furniture setting. I think of it more of like a uh, a bridge, yes, between what what came and and what's going to start coming next. Well, I I think I've been waiting for kingpin machinations, and mm-hmm. now I oh, have. You're, a f- you're starting to get them now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So first one, uh, Nadine believes that he's going to his boss's place uh-huh. to drop the hammer and information with. Uh, I didn't hear this right, an SEC officer, but like it sounds like he's he's much higher up the chain, and they are saying like, look, Kingpin yeah. is 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 doing these things. He's got it. He's in control, um, and he's way deep into the FBI. We need to do something about it. Mm-hmm. It's like very high ranking internal affairs type stuff. Right there, you go. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, boy, we find out. <laughs> Revelations was such a great title for this episode because it was just full of them. <laughs> a lot of people's eyes really opened up during this episode to just how in over their head they were. Yeah, and this was this this is still part of the cold open. We haven't even gotten mm-hmm. to titles yet. Yeah, I watched this last night, and I had come. I'd kind of forgotten. It's been a while since I like when I watched Daredevil season three. I burned through it in a weekend, and it's been a couple of months at least now since I did it. And I'd forgotten this one was like a uh, like a 10, 12, 13 minute cold open before we even get to the credits. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and they've been kind of playing with that in these later episodes. And then to have that big flip where Nadine's boss just completely, I mean, number one, shooting somebody in the throat, that's pretty gross. And then, then, yeah. then the <laughs> headshot. But like, I was kind of curious. I was like, why is this house all like with murder uh plastic all over it 
You know, when I watched it again for the second time last night, I was like, how did I not see this coming? Because the first time I watched this through, when I watched it with like the virgin eyes, like you're watching it right now. Yeah. This just completely caught me by surprise. I thoroughly expected that, that Nadine, with his, his money problems and, and his family medical bill problems and things like that, I firmly expected him to get lured in and to be compromised. I didn't necessarily see that his boss was already compromised right? and had been for years. <laughs> and it just, it completely caught me off guard. And like you just said, you know, the murder plastic really should have been a clue, but it it, it was completely lost on me. She gives some flippant line about a contractor being over, well overdue on completing the job. And when I watched it the first time, I just bought completely into it. And this just... Boom. <laughs> it was a shot, and, and I just, I had no idea it was coming, you know, because the guy's just sitting there. He's like, well, the first thing we're going to do is get you an ambulance and then blam. <laughs> and that's another thing that is is a through line on this one is Nadine's been injured, but it I guess it's not a through and through. It's more of a nick. Uh, when he's taking a shower later, it looked to me like it could be either a nick or a through and through that was just barely inside his torso. You know, like right on the edge. So yeah, I just I, don't, it, it yeah, might I don't have an see entrance you walking and exit, around like but that. Uh, that, I wouldn't be walking around like that. <laughs> but actually, you know, with the murder plastic, I didn't I didn't catch that. Like I mean I caught it but I didn't catch it. And yeah. but the blue masking tape is what like red hair on the window and i was like oh yeah. no this is not that's not gonna happen and then bam bam and then and then the whole recording she you know basically lines him up and then yep. fisk's new lawyer walks in and it's like mm-hmm. you know what we have you know what you did work with us you belong to us now and of course then just before the striking the cold open, no, you belong you belong to Wilson Fisk now. He's yeah, she said, I'm not your boss anymore. He is. And moving forward, and so that's one like now we see how Kingpin latches somebody and can uh-huh. completely get somebody. And we don't know yep. how he's gotten her. We'll find that out. Yeah. Um, we move on to Foggy and Karen. Uh uh-huh. Karen is still trying to get out of town. She knows that that Kingpin is after her. Yeah. And Foggy's trying. She goes to the church. Yeah. What? No, does she go to the church yet? Uh, Maybe that's a little later on. She goes goes in this episode. Yeah, it it, it seems like they're, they're, basically Foggy's like, we can win, we can do this. Yeah. You know, I'm gaining yeah. ground. And she's like, look, you're going to have to do it without me. Mm-hmm. And so that just setting that this is the, the like maybe a furniture move in a way because we've got to get we've got to get Karen down the down the line a little bit. Yeah. Um, And we've also have got to prove that Foggy is is moving in the direction of essentially becoming district attorney to take to take Fisk out of the out of the game. Yeah. But we do get um, Maggie, Maggie's realization that she is now, uh, she has a problem because Matt knows. Yep. Or if Fisk knows about Matt. Yeah. Well, yeah. but Mag- Maggie now knows that Matt knows. Oh, that, that Matt knows about her. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, the scene was okay. It wasn't mm-hmm. spectacular, but it, it, it. it it, it, it did the job. It did the job. Yeah, it was it was adequate. Yeah, crying sometimes if it, if done in a way that I I don't believe it sounds like laughing. Yeah, and I got a little bit of that, but I was you know that's just you know that's that is a total nitpick at best. Yeah. Um, we do have then Matt. The conversation between Matt and and the the priest was really good. I liked it. Yeah, and then this basically theme that's been carrying through the entire series thus far is Matt talking to people that aren't really there, whether it yeah. be Kingpin or whatnot. And this time he's, he's left the church completely. Mm-hmm. He's back at uh, the boxing ring and yeah, back at the gym. And he's essentially got a plan that I wasn't quite 
understanding at first, but he's using kickboxing ropes. Mm-hmm. He's setting those up, but he's but he also has an impromptu conversation with his father, which yep. has never happened. No. And it was a good conversation with his father, too. Yeah, I mean... It, I really know, like the way they, they've framed and, and hidden a lot of exposition throughout the run of season three in the, in this fashion, you know, with Matt's father and, and with Fisk. And, yeah, it, it's like a flashback, but it's... Or exposition, but it's it's done in a way where it it's this, you know, t- intangible conversation that would never actually happen. You're in heads, but but it's better than that. Yeah, I mean, they could really easily just have him mumbling to himself, or or even just have the actor do a narrative voiceover. But this is so much more effective. Yeah. And it, it, it's not the first time we've seen techniques like this, but it's it's really well done here in in, in this case. Even what? down to the fact that they they kind of bokeh the 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 person he's conversing with into the background there. Yeah, and and the and the and the legitimate argument, you know, you you know of of Matt saying, you know, you never told me. Why wouldn't you have told me? He's like, well, there were, you know, I I was trying to be, I was just trying to be the best I could be and, and show you what what a man can do. Yeah. Well, this had me racking my brain trying to remember. Have they ever, like during this three-season run of, of this incarnation of Daredevil, did they ever say specifically what had happened to his mother? I couldn't remember. Oh, that's a great question. Or what it is that he believed had happened to his mother. I want to say that they said she died in childbirth. Okay. That's the only thing that makes sense to me, but I can, I, 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 that. Mm. Which would fit Matt's memories, you know, because right. she was gone Perfect. from the yeah. time he was just an infant. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though, I, I, during the conversation, especially in the flashback, I was expecting the priest to say, you know, we'll help you with whatever you need. Because. No, it, they just exchanged a really weird look. <laughs> yeah, it was it, it it was it was very strange, and I wasn't I wasn't expecting that. But you know, I I I think that probably would have put too fine a point on it. Yeah. Uh, and then we got Dex. Good old Dex. <laughs> oh. He has really like. Since the last episode, he's kind of basically kissed the ring, and now mm-hmm. Wilson is his father. Yeah, pretty much. And he is... He has done the opposite of what Luke Skywalker did in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> wow, that is interesting to say. If you, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you thought about it like that, what would Luke have been like? Had he joined Vader yes. and Palpatine. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what Dex has done. <laughs> And he is like a, he's got now the, oh, a sinister smile. He feels like he's he's got control. Yeah. He's feeling very empowered. He's feeling very on top. You know, he's, he's feeling very up close to the top, like a, like a right hand man kind of position. He's, he's got balls. He walks right into Nadim's house Mm -hmm. and is showing his son. No, well, he's showing him, not only do I know where you live, now I can yep. penetrate your inner sanctum. Mm-hmm. And your son loves me. Yeah. And this was a very effective scene. Not just the son, the wife, too, you know. You guys don't go talk shop too long. I don't want Dex's eggs getting cold. <laughs> oh. Unbelievable. Yeah. So they and the have whole time, yeah. Nadine is just, he's in shock. And yep. he's just... Oh. Well, this is his new life. Yeah. And it's basically, yeah, you're an FBI agent, but that's really all you are is a pawn. Yeah. And, well, and he's struggling just to come to grips with the way all the terms and, and the nature of the game has just completely changed for him. And then the next thing you know, he's got this psychopath in his house. <sighs> yeah. I just, I, I just, ugh. Was not ready. Um... Again, he brings up the whole, we got to get you, you know, 
squared up, you know, you're bleeding. And I'm thinking, yeah. have you not put anything on this wound? Like, you're wearing white shirts. <laughs> I'm, how is no yeah. one noticing that you're bleeding? It's got a Band-Aid on it, Moses. I guess so. I, it's, <laughs> it's, again, it's such a little thing, but it's like, guys. Maybe a little, little Neosporin, maybe. Yeah, how, how do we figure this one out? Like, get him, get him a Band-Aid or something. <laughs> At um, least get him a, a, a dark-colored shirt. <laughs> it, it would be nice. It would be nice. Uh, and, you know, I wasn't sure about the Nadim character, but I knew how they were utilizing him as yeah. this, um, as the, the basically the, the law that, that's trying to, to do something. And I'm actually enjoying his character a lot more than than I thought I would. Yeah, he's a good character. I really enjoyed him. Yeah. Um, whether or not we see him, you know, in other things, I don't know. But he's doing a his performance is is, is really on on point. Mm-hmm. It really is. So, Karen goes to the church to find Matt. Yep. And Matt is no longer there. They get the kind of, she gets the the download that that he's gone and Mm -hmm. talks to Maggie. And this is where actually Maggie talks about, well, we didn't know about postpartum, you know, depression in those days. Mm -hmm. And she says. Now, I'm trying to remember. I watched episode nine in isolation last night to prepare for this, but it's been a while since. Were there any previous scenes? Have Karen and Maggie ever even met before? I I didn't think so, but... I don't think so. They seem to have a a familiarity about them, at least in in Maggie's case, because, I mean, she just dumps everything right on her. Yeah. It would seem to me that they would have had to have met, but the only time they could have met would have been in this season. Yeah. And I don't I don't think that ever happened. I don't think so. I think Maggie just knows that Karen is Matt's friend. Yeah. Um like maybe she'll take that cuz that's as close as she can get cuz she feels like Matt's gone forever maybe. Yeah, I think so. I think this is her only connection and I guess in order to sort of make things right, she realizes that Karen is going to go on the lamb. Yeah. And that's when she says, "Look, you can stay at the church. We've, you know, we've been hiding people for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. So that keeps Karen in play, which I was a little fearful, um, just to kind of throw things into where where this draws parallels um, with yeah. the comic. Mm-hmm. Karen was not as put together in the comic. She during this run, she became like a heroin addict. Yeah. And was really in a bad place. Um and they haven't touched on that at all. I don't know if they are. I you know, in this kind of climate, I don't know if if they if they're if they're going to even re- put that together because they've they've kind of set her up to be um more of a stable entity in Matt's life. Yeah. So I'm curious if that ever even happens, but well, um, just for her to be a stable entity in his life doesn't necessarily imply she's always been a stable entity in her own. Right. And funny you mention that because the whole reason she's like scrambling in episodes past, she's tried to reach out to her father. Yeah. And I know something happened to her brother, and I don't know if that was ever spelled out. It was probably done in season one, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think it was just vague passing references, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. But something something in her past, and that this is what kind of makes me think, like, are they moving the drug thing to her past rather than something that Kingpin did? So I don't know. Okay, so in the in the comic run, the drug thing is happening now. Yes. Okay, I get it. Because get Matt it. actually, that's one of the things he does. He ends, ends up saving her. Okay. I can't remember if she becomes a prostitute, but I know she's I know she's a heroin addict. Because it was you know it was in the time the big eighties 
where you know heroin and cocaine were like they were trying to tell the kids don't do it. Yeah. Well, and it was it was an easy path for women in particular, but really for anybody to go from you know drug addiction to prostitution, burglary, thievery, right? All kinds of ways to to get money in a quick hurry with limited resources. Yes. Now again, we're dealing with a lot of different characters in this episode, and then it jumps yet again um, to Foggy mm-hmm. and. I, I love when Foggy goes to the to the butcher shop. Yeah, because there, there's just such a, a war, like a weird warmness there, yeah. and now everybody is super proud of of Foggy. Oh, he's he's the rising star right now on 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 the the hype of that that little video that was recorded of his speech earlier. Yeah, and he makes a lot of accusations against Wilson Fisk and yep. and 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 the current DA. Yeah. And so this story is is breaking big and mm-hmm. so big that he's like, I can win. I, I, I can go the distance. And then his brother comes in. I think this is the first time that it's really occurred to him. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe when he got in it, he just wanted to, to try and make some noise and, and to try and initiate some change. But he didn't really think he ever had a chance at winning at all. That right? is true. I think yeah. it was it was it was a way for him to get the truth out, but he didn't. Yeah. He, he he wasn't con- necessarily concerned with winning. Yeah, and this is the first time that it's it's just really starting to click to him. You know what? I might could win this thing. And in the nature of good narrative and drama, mm-hmm. that all gets pulled away. Yes, it does, and in a very convincing and realistic way too. I mean, for this universe. I mean, look, when you start talking businesses and numbers, this is something that I'm just not familiar with, but I kind of understand loans and whatnot. But apparently they were, and I think now I can see where the kingpin moves in a very slow and and steady way. You talk about the long game. (laughs) He plays the longest game. (laughs) Yeah, He, he pulls back. Essentially, this is what I infer. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. He gets the suppliers for the meat market to pull away from yep. the butcher shop. Yep. Which puts them into a, a, a need for a, to keep the, the business afloat. Mm-hmm. A man comes to him, tells him how to adjust numbers. Yep. Get they the loan. up the books. Yeah. And then, but... Not only did he sign this loan app, uh, this loan contract, but, but so do his parents. Too. Yeah. And then our same guy, and I don't know his name offhand, but he's the new, basically, he's the new Wesley. Um, but he, he's the 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 consigliere of the king, yeah. kingpin. Yeah. And says, "Look, now you're on the take. Have Foggy walk it back." Yeah. Or else we'll have the bank call the loan because the loan actually originated from that bank that Fisk is behind. Yeah, I can only assume that this happened like it didn't happen, happen, but like time wise, this must have happened in season one because obviously I, I think they said it was a year or two prior to this. Okay, well the then there it said is. When it went down. Okay, so Fisk already knew at that point and started yeah. and started plotting. Outside yeah, Foggy of, and Foggy yeah. and Matt and Karen were already all on his radar, and so he was already working on that. Ugh. I I'm, mean, he plays the longest of games, but, but and I didn't find it to be a cheat. I found it totally grounded and satisfying, yep. but yep. so frustrating. I was, I was, yeah. Yeah, and that's. I think that's the good sign of good narrative is that when, yeah. like me, as just. The consumer and viewer is just like, mm-hmm. oh no, like yeah. it just and, went bad again. Yeah, and that's not even the only example of how he's playing the longest of games that we'll get in this episode. There's a, a conversation between Nadim and his boss in a little bit coming out of the elevator, and we, we find out that he played the long game there too. Yeah, go ahead and and describe that because I I, I saw it twice, and I'm still yeah. not totally. I need right, to read so, it, actually. I think we're jumping ahead just a little bit, but that's okay. We just need to remember there's something we got to come back to, I okay. think. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, so basically, 
Nadim and, and his boss, and I'm at a total loss for her name right now. Yeah. But uh, they're in the elevator, and and he's trying to talk to her about this this new predicament that they're in, and he can't he can't for the life of him believe that that she's been compromised all this time too, and and she's explaining to him just how long a game that Fisk plays, and she tells him you know that Fisk was actually behind. His family was it sister in law that had the the cancer, wasn't it? Yes. Fisk was behind her insurance getting pulled, <sighs> so that they would pretty much just over leverage and overextend themselves financially trying to pay for her treatments. So that's going pretty far back. Yeah, and then it it, it goes even further back when she further confides to him. Because he's like, well, it doesn't matter. We just need to get our families and get out of here. And she's like, you don't get it. There is nowhere safe. Let me tell you just how unsafe things are. I used to have two children. Yeah, okay, keep going. And and that was pretty, pretty mind-blowing, you know. <laughs> she said that they made it look like a, I think she said a hit-and-run accident. Am I wrong? I, I remember hearing that. So she, they made it look like she killed her own kids? No, they made it look like the death of the child was a hit-and-run accident, but it was really Fisk behind it, and I got the impression that the way it sounded was she was already on Fisk's payroll and had maybe decided she didn't want to be on Fisk's payroll and tried to go rogue, and, like, the loss of this child was a a penalty. Okay, because it's almost like Nadine was trying to maybe flip her or at least get yes okay yeah get and that conversation she was like started. you know that just that just doesn't that no that's not gonna work I, I i used to think like that too and you know what i used to have two kids and now i only have one kid so uh this is this is where we're at we're above our pay grades here we're in too deep and and you might as well just get used to it yeah mm. yeah i i yeah i mean that First of all, kid murder, that's, I mean, that's just one thing, but like, boy, if that's not going to drop you into line. Yeah. And you can, and now you understand how broken and compromised she actually is. Yeah. So she's still got the one kid that she's got to look out for. I think she said she ended up divorcing her husband, so he'd leave and go away, and she hoped that that at least made him safe. Yes, that's right. Ugh. Boy, see, and this again, this is that episode where you really see what what Wilson Fisk is is really capable of. I mean, it's not these, you know, you know, bizarre um, mustache twirling situations. This is no, I'm going to get you and I'm going to get you really good. This is I need to totally own these people. I need to own them for years, and I need to look at the steps that I can take to just really control their lives. Now, on the inside of all this, Dex is having uh, Nadim stay in contact with Matt. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and let's go back just a little bit, because we also had that, that delicious scene where Dex gets reinstated. Oh, gosh. Because I think that was prior to the elevator scene, yep. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's another pretty delicious scene where, again, more re- revelations, where Nadine finds out exactly how many people he's surrounded by that Fisk has just owned the whole time. I mean, it's essentially the entire, like, uh, team that's yeah. on Fisk's detail. I think there are less people not on the detail than there are on the detail. Yeah. So to speak. Right. Yeah, because when they go over to Fisk's apartment, you know, it's like two people like, oh, we just got on our shift. Yeah. Boss said differently. Yeah. And that Cheshire smile from Dex. Oh, and he's just full of those, man. It's just over and over and over and. He just, you know, I really want to thank you guys for really pulling together and getting this for me. And I, there was one really veiled threat toward Nadine that I really liked. He's like, I really want to thank you, Nadine, and I, I want you to know that I'm gonna, I'm gonna return everything that you've done for me, yeah. <laughs> or something to that effect. And it was just, woo. I hope Nadine has a good 
uh, resolution to all this. I hope it's not he's got to sacrifice himself at the end, but I could see where that might happen. Yeah, well, that could go a lot of different ways with it. I could see probably Dex killing him. Give give him a a baseball to the head. (laughs) He is pretty good with the baseball. Uh, yeah, and we do get some Dex, um, bullseye throws when they're yeah, rounding up. They go out for another rounding up of suspects. Yeah, it's like they, they, they're rounding they up all like the a, heads. like a chunk of pipe or something, or a, a wrench or tool or something, straight across the garage and popped a guy in the head pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it, it, he's just a, it, anything is a weapon and everything yeah. will be a weapon. And this is where, uh, this is another scene where we just get to really enjoy the actor that's playing Dex, man, he's he's doing a fantastic job because he's just so emboldened and so full of himself, and and he just he's really reveling in all these arrests and these busts and and this this flaunting of his his newfound power. And he's got and he's got the backup, like he's got the support structure that he's always yep. wanted, because and like you almost feel legit. good about him, like having yeah. that because it looks legit to everybody else on the outside. You know, they're the FBI. They're busting bad guys. That's what they're supposed to do. Yep. And then the subversion of editing is starts to come down the pipeline. Yeah. They've entangled, and they're, they're trying to get Matt to come to, it looks like, some sort of restaurant where they have all these heads uh, lined up and around the table. And it's basically Kingpin's way of getting all these, the, essentially, let's call them the five families, in line, underneath mm-hmm. him, kicking Vig to him from here on out. And what he's, what he's doing is he's, he's offering to sell them protection, which is, is really a, a payment to not get locked up, is what it boils down to. And those who don't fall in line get something knocked in their head uh-huh. that kills them. <laughs> yeah. I think it was a bottle or something. Yeah. Ugh. So, it was a good one. But you talked to, you mentioned the subversive editing. Boy, it was really good. Because I really thought when I first watched this, and, and even a little bit again last night when I, when I was watching it, and until I remembered a little further ahead, uh, I really thought Matt was coming into that restaurant. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's that's the beauty of it, is you're really supposed to that. And that's what that. they had wanted, that's yep. what they had set up, that's why they had an AD make the call. And that's what they're all just kind of sitting around waiting for, because they want Matt to come to the restaurant. The the interesting thing, and I don't know how you feel about this, um, because they're, they're, this is one of those superhero-y type things that's always, you know, you either accept it or you're always skeptical. But when Matt is going into this building, he go, walks through a kitchen, clearly he's in the same area as everything going on. Yeah. He begins taking off his gear and suiting up. Yeah. The whole idea of suiting up is, is one of those things where it's like, it's, you know, like if you watch any of any, anything other, you know, superhero stuff, that kind of stuff is done off camera and quickly. Yeah. I love the fact that, they we, take they take a moment for yeah. It. Matt has to set things up. He's 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 going to be doing his 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 work, but he's got to get got his get got to get his gear on, and then mm-hmm. he's going to you know turn lights off. Yeah. Which like it's it's the simple things like that that I find so interesting, and like I accept because Daredevil is the way he is, and it's like yeah, yeah that makes sense. And I would imagine. You watching with, with virgin eyes, so to speak. I would imagine at this point, even still at this point, you still think he's in the restaurant with Fisk and everybody, don't you? Oh, I'm, I'm almost positive of it. Except yeah. when he hits lights, it has nothing to do with what's going on in there, and they yeah. show that. And well, That's when you can start to make the connection. Exactly. Yeah. And then he, he's walking down corridors and stuff, and you realize that he's, he's really in the hotel. That's right. In yeah. in Fisk's den, yes. <laughs> and well, and of course he the, he was smart enough to know that they were trying to lure him into a trap, but he he went a different route. He was just going to go in and wait for Fisk to come back. Yeah, and I believe I think something 
I, I know that this was said at some point, and I can't remember if he was saying it to to Jack. Like the whole reason he was putting um, his tie boxing ropes on. Yeah, because he he knows he doesn't stand a chance against Dex at a distance because that throwing ability he's got is just too much. He's got to get in close and be able to do maximum damage with each each punch. Yeah, yeah. So that again, I don't. I watch some MMA. I don't watch a whole lot of kickboxing. I certainly don't watch a lot of Thai kickboxing. I've never seen these ropes. I think they're awesome. But it's yeah. just weird because I'm thinking as I don't like the black suit. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I like when Matt wears the red suit. I know where we're at right now. And I know why he he can't have it. But yeah. it looks real bullseye, like comic booky to me. Mm-hmm. Like so, I keep looking at the black suit. I'm like, hey, it looks like bullseye. Um, well, they they, they kind of got him flipped because bullseye looks like Daredevil. <laughs> exactly. What? Well, so it's it's in one way it's like this weird poetry. Uh, of 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 splitting things and flip flipping everything on its axis. Yeah. He goes. You know. And, yeah. Go ahead. I'm, I don't. I don't have strong feelings about about Matt's dress like that. I mean, the suit is cool, and uh, the 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 pants. You know, the black pants and black shirt don't really bother me. I gotta say, I've always kind of liked Matt in the uh, just like the toboggan style face mask. Really. Yeah. Fascinating. I see. I think it's like a a back to basics kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it roots it down for sure. It's like, well, how would you do this? If you were really wanting to be a superhero, like if you didn't have uh, a guy that builds suits, how would you Uh do it? Yeah. I think the black suit, this comes from when I was way out of comics. And so I think this kind of scratches the itch of like newer readers. Um, mm-hmm. and so like, I, it's like, I'll allow it, but it, yeah. it just, it, it always throws me just that little bit. I think it's part of the reason why I'm kind of partial to like, we got the suit at the end of season one of daredevil and, and it was, you know, featured really prominently all through season two of daredevil and even through some of the defenders. But generally speaking, I kind of feel like this is what's kind of endeared me to the the Netflix Marvel universe a little bit more than than some of the movies and some of the other shows and stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love me some Iron Man and I love me some some Avengers and stuff, but in most of these Netflix Marvel shows, you know, look at Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> look at look at Luke Cage, look at Danny Rand, you know, say whatever you want to about the writing and the quality of those shows, but you know, for the most part they 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 dress and act the part like what you just described everyday person just happens to have a little bit of ability and and just wants to try and make a difference and they just dress in what they got on hand (laughs) yeah absolutely and it makes it really i mean on one hand you got it's it's a superhero show and it's always going to be fiction it's never going to be real but it adds a level of credibility to it to me that that just makes it seem pretty neat and authentic vic that's an awesome word just the the credibility yeah yeah, I I think I don't think I've ever heard it said quite like that, but I think you're absolutely you absolutely hit it right there. Yeah. So Matt is going. He's inside the the den of the beast and yeah. shuts everything down and gets into Wilson's subdomain. Yeah. This is the first time I've seen that lady like I like and actually talking, but mm-hmm. it seems like she has been. Like he Wilson has her under a thumb as well because she seemed super scared. You know, this actually makes me made me stop and wonder. So yeah, you're right. She's terrified, and they've actually got it, it just showed it for just a split second. But they've actually got Fisk's little house arrest bracelet on her ankle, and yeah. so she's just kind of stuck sitting there, and she's filling in for Fisk and her fear. You know, she asked Matt if he was there to kill her, and he was like, no. And uh, then she said Fisk, and he was like, yep. And she was like, oh, good. And she was visibly relieved to... uh, uh, Words can't really describe how relieved she was that somebody might actually take Fisk out. Yes. And it got me to thinking, how many people is he surrounded by, you think, that actually just sign on just for the sake of signing on? I, I don't think very many, 
I think yeah. I think he, his world is built on fear. I think so too. Uh, let me just go back because you just brought something up that like was a huge moment. It was a, like a kiss the ring type moment when Wilson gets his uh, ankle bracelet off. Oh he, yeah, yeah, and he made Nadine do it. Oh, it was the most like dog eating, like yeah. put your put your face in the piss moment. Yeah. This is a this is a whole this is where you're <laughs> yeah it, it was it was very it was all about yeah. subjugation and establishing ownership and and you, this is putting you in your place and this is where you're gonna be there it is he's the people that surround him he's subju- he subjugating yeah yeah oh and then of course all the lights kind of come on and the broadcast is Karen Page is at the church. Yep. They found her. Damn it. And initially I thought that's weird because Matt, I don't think Matt knows that, um, that Kingpin's after her. No, because I don't think, I don't think that he knows about Karen and Wesley yet. No. And I definitely don't think that he knows that Kingpin knows about Karen and Wesley yet. No, there's no way. Cause, because that's the main impetus. Because that, that's what he said. What, what does he want with Karen? Right. Yeah, okay. I, I wa- so this leaves him on, on, a, on a, a little bit of a dilemma. You know, on the one hand, he's got Karen in danger. On the other hand, he's got Fisk right where he wants him, and he's minutes away. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and he's already made the statement that he is going to kill Wilson. And yeah. the last flashback with he and Jack, uh, it's an, another interesting technique. Jack becomes kingpin, and he just opens his skull up. Yeah. I mean, this, this is, you know, Matt's like, is on zero Fs at this point. Mm-hmm. He's got to die. That's, that's, yeah. that's the end of it. He's convinced himself that... Prison is never going to be the answer. It's never going to hold him. It's never going to diminish Fisk's particular brand of power because, honestly, he can orchestrate it from anywhere. And he has, and he's proven, uh, proven yeah, himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, uh, that, that starts to make a lot more sense. Things start to click. Um, I think when you, when, you, when you look at these episodes too far away, you start to mm-hmm. forget, at least for me, who knows what and when? And I realize now that it's really more foggy in Karen's information exchange. That's the whole reason we know who, like that she, who she's told. And she did yeah. tell um, Kingpin, "Hey, I killed your boy." Yeah, which wasn't very bright. <laughs> no, but she she was trying to get that rise out of him because there was a whole idea to get him off kilter. So yeah. he wants revenge. And now Matt's put in the, into that position of, what do I do? Do I, do I follow through killing, killing Wilson, or do I save Karen? And of course, yeah. I think- Well, I think we, we know, know what he's always going to yep. choose. <laughs> he wouldn't be mad if he didn't. Yeah. So I assume next episode will be a Karen episode, um, like heavily, since Matt's obviously got to go running, running that way. So- yeah. Well, if I if I may deliver just the ever so slightest of spoilers about it. Okay. The episode title is Karen. <laughs> oh, well, there we go. So you you were already barking up that tree anyway, so I don't feel like it's it's too harmful to drop that little tidbit. Interesting. Interesting. Huh. I wonder if they'll show flashbacks of her killing Wesley again. Mm. Uh, I have no comments about what they show or what they don't show in that episode because okay. I okay. know that you're trying to to watch this thing fresh, and I don't want to be the 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 bozo that wrecks that for you. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> oh, but that's good. I again, why really split me down the middle? Just because it yeah. has almost two two narratives going on simultaneous, and then to add on and and to like actually think about when you had brought up the idea of. The swapping of the two, like where Matt looks a little bit more bullseye-ish, especially with the ropes. And then, you know, Dex already has the Daredevil suit on. 
it, it really is. It's 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 this almost parallel dimension of Matt trying to get back to the red. You know, it's 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 it it was fascinating in that regard. Like the intricacies of how they've done these episodes, it feels yeah. almost like a little true detective action where narrative is stronger. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, and if you don't know, then shame on you (laughs) as we come to, come to a close. Uh, Vic and I have been doing uh, the God's work in true detective season three, which Mm -hmm. if you have not seen Vic, they must see. Look, Everything you everything you, you, you saw in True Detective season two, just wipe that away. Just wash it away. <laughs> it just it's just some dust. If you liked season one, you will love season three. Yeah, I think it's very safe to say that. Yes. Yeah. And Vic, where actually can they go to to, to get those episodes? They can actually go to uh I've got this little upstart of, of a little bit of a kind of a podcast network that I've been kinda starting to do you're cultivating the seeds cultivating the seeds pretty much more or less inspired by what you and all your your fellow podcasters here at the incomparables tv feed have been been kind of doing i've got this little show at uh, tv.bubblesort.show and and we do a, a few shows there some uh true detective you can find there we did some better call saul uh, we got Castle Rock on a very, 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 very slow burn. <laughs> we did the most recent season of uh, Doctor Who, and I think I'm in the process of trying to put together a panel for uh, the upcoming season of Game of Thrones, too. Ooh, very nice. Yeah. So if you can't get your fill of TV stuff here, you yeah. can certainly get some other stuff or some just some complimentary stuff sometimes it's nice to hear like you and i were talking about this it's nice to hear other people talking about the same thing because sometimes you tread the same the same turf but you can find something a little different every time yeah well and and the, the beautiful thing about you know the this this podcasting of tv shows ecosphere whatever you want to try and call it is true there's there's room for everybody there's room for all kinds of flavors and all kinds of variety and Lots of points of view and just lots of great conversations about lots of great TV. There's different ways to plow. Yes. And you'll get neat results. Vic, where can they find you on the social spheres? They can find me usually on on the Twitters or at micro.blog. I'm at VicHudson1. I tend to try and, and squat on that, that name, that handle, wherever it's available. All right. So that, that's usually a good place to try searching for me. Perfect. All right. Well, those links, as you'll see in, in your app of choice, are sitting right there. So click on them and check them out. Yeah. Folks, it has been an honor and a privilege. Vic, thank you. Thank you for having me, most. And let's go to more revelations, and then we'll see Karen very yes. soon. Yeah, it's a good one. Well, nice. <laughs> see you, folks. See you.